It is AFL's Are You OK round this weekend. And right now, former Carlton football player and founder of the Outside of the Locker Room Foundation, Jake Edwards joins me. Good morning. Good morning, Herbie. Thanks for having me. Jake, for those who don't know, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey to AFL? So football's been a big part of my life. I always say that if I was to give blood tomorrow, there'd be a little footage floating around. <laughs> um, growing up in a small little country area in Victoria, and I was the fifth player in my family to get the opportunity to play AFL football. So uh, I was drafted to the Carlton Football Club in 2005, uh, pick 36, and I guess that's where it all kicked off for me, you know, living the dream. Um, the first couple of years in my career, things were going along really well um, until I started experiencing symptomatic issues with, with depression. And so you played games in the VFL and then you made your debut in the AFL in 2008. Unfortunately, yep. you were delisted at the end of 2009. And I know mm. for yourself, you said footy is in your blood and I've got four brothers. I know that for them at one stage in their life, they thought footy was their life. How did it feel when your world sort of came to an end or what you thought your world was when you were delisted? I mean, it was devastating. As you mentioned, not only was I delisted in a way, Carlton actually offered me another year contract. But with what I was going through leading up to my last year with my mental health challenge, I was diagnosed at the end of 2008 with uh, depression and my last year just battling that ongoing uh, issue with it. I felt like a new football club would give me uh, a good new lease on life and I thought a new environment, new challenge might be what I needed. And I kindly uh, declined the offer from Carlton to stay on and I went to another AFL club and trained, did a pre-season there and I guess I was promised a world given an atlas. Things got really tough off the back of that. I, I and you get caught out the draft as I thought it would be. And so the trauma of just going through that experience as well was, was quite tough. And not only that, but also the, you know, I felt like I let my family down. Um, you know, with my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, my cousin, all playing well over 100 games in premierships. It was very difficult for me to come to terms with the fact that I, I kind of felt like I'd failed and let the last name down uh, in my family. So that transition into life was extremely difficult. I think a lot of athletes talk about it. It's not about complaining about the opportunities we had. It's more the routine and structure that we lose and the camaraderie and that mateship that we have as part of sporting clubs. It was something that, you know, flick of a switch, it was, it was gone. I didn't have any of that anymore, so I was kind of left to own devices quite abruptly and, and that was a, a challenge and you combine that with the illness I allowed it really to kick in and take control of myself as a person. And so it did get to a pretty dark place can you go into yeah. a bit of details for us? Yeah so as once again post that transition period into finding I guess a bit of a routine outside of football I used alcohol and, and drug abuse to um, to cope and allowed me to kind of escape the reality of, of what I thought was pain and conflict with what, what I was doing and where I was at that led me down a four year post my career of abuse of those substances and unfortunately it, it led me to a moment in my life where I pushed friends away and family and I was hanging out some pretty bad people and it just kind of reflected myself to look at life as you know that I shouldn't be here anymore and it'd be easy for everyone to move on I'm just nothing but a burden and fortunately I allowed myself to get to a point where my mindset really bought into the, the suicide ideation of myself not being here and one morning I come home after a, a alcohol and, and drug fueled weekend and um, I attempted my own life um, one morning in, in my bathroom and I remember immediately straight after the attempt just having this overwhelming regret of the decision that I just made and um, I thought that my family could have moved on and that and, but just instantaneously I just kind of had this real regret of the decision that I just made and I was fortunate enough to have a phone call with my father at the time and he kept me on the phone and mum and dad came in from the farm and picked me up and took me home for a few days before they put me in to see a psychologist. Her name was Dr Maddie Clements 
Brooks is someone I've worked with during my AFL career. Um, and she now heads up the AIS with their wellbeing program as a director. And um, she basically saved my life. She got me into a program working with proper psychiatry and drug and alcohol support. And that, that really helped me turn my life around and learn more and better educate myself through um, mental health and also substance abuse. And you definitely have turned your life around. You said you've educated yourself, but more so, I believe, you're educating others now because you created Outside the Locker Room. Why did you do that? Mm. Oh, look, it, it kind of happened all really quickly. I, I kind of went through the process of getting myself right and getting my mindset right and looking forward from there when the question was asked, you know, what do you want to do the rest of your life? And that's a pretty big question to ask someone off the back of what I'd gone through. And I sat down with some people that I trusted at the time and we spoke about a few things and I did some research. This is only five years ago now that I realised just how big a challenge mental health or my journey was actually the reality of it in our society. And having grown up around sport my whole life, the connection was pretty obvious and I thought that if I could get out and share a story and maybe do something a little bit more of a point of difference where rather than just coming out and talking about it maybe I can offer something a bit more sustainable with a program that actually offers support with through education but more importantly we can offer a platform for players and families to actually utilize a resource that they can get in contact with someone and actually talk through their challenges and issues earlier before getting to a point where obviously I had to endure through my life so as a locker room is a byproduct I guess of my lived experience but coming through the industry as I learned it pretty quickly early on. I realised there was a real niche in the market where uh, there was nothing specific that was talking to community sport. And I think that's where our stories through the program helps humanise mental health. And we're very relatable. So all the ambassadors and people are community leaders who put their hand up and identify in themselves and share their story. And we have counsellors and welfare teams that support our program delivery. Um, so we know there's a clinical element, but also a real important humanising element to our program. So it's just kind of grown year on after, Herbie. It's the first year we worked with about 15 sporting clubs across country Victoria. And over the last couple of years now, we're pushing nearly 230-odd sporting clubs now around Australia that we've actually worked with and we're supported over you know hundreds and hundreds of different individuals and their families with, with mental health-specific issues around depression and, and suicide. What you've done is incredible. You should be so proud of yourself. And I know here in the Riverina, we're such a strong footy community and sporting community. So if you were to give one point of advice to the young athletes out there, through your experience, what would that be? Oh, look, I'm no different to most advocates in mental health that have been through lived experiences. I'll look back on my journey and there were so many different opportunities that I had to, to reach out and get some help. Um, I had I had good people around me, so family and people like that, and um, I just wish I had taken the time early enough to identify myself that, hey, it's okay to, to not feel okay, and uh, reaching out and getting help early is, is the real, um, you know, the real sustainable change, and it, it is it is doable. Um, you know, we we can integrate mental health illness into our lives so don't feel like that it's overwhelming it's something that we can incorporate into our lives and there is hope uh, there are many people outside of me that are living in our communities that are going through it you're certainly not alone and the earlier you can speak up and get some help the, the better it's going to be for you in the short term but obviously in the long term as well so we can't encourage that enough um, to utilise your current networks. If anyone is struggling, they can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. But, Jake, you should be so mm. proud of how far you come and I have no doubt that you have touched lives and even saved lives across the country. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us this morning. Thanks, Herbie. Well done to the area in supporting the RUAK Day Foundation. They're great people.